Hey, good morning, and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday service. We gather in person and online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Audio only versions of this are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All you have to do is search Faith on Hill. And uh, we are on our website, faithonhill.com, and our Facebook page. Now, if you're on our Facebook page, welcome. We're glad you're here. Feel free to share the video. Um, We do believe that the best interactive and viewing experience is on our website, faithonhill.com. But wherever you're at, uh, say hello in the chat. Uh, Let us know how we can pray with you. Uh, Just just good to know that you're here with us. Uh, On Wednesday nights, we have small groups throughout the weekend. On Wednesday nights, we have a Zoom online small group. Uh, You can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com to get the link. Uh, We pray together. Uh, we check in on each, on each other. Um, we have questions that are based off of uh, the Sunday's uh, Bible study, and we go deeper into the Word of God and, and what it all means for us. Uh, it's one of my favorite things we do all week. Highly encourage you to make the jump. If you've been with us online, we'd love to see you online, but in person, you know, interacting. Uh, also, if, if you thought, hey, I think I'm getting ready to go back to in-person, maybe you're getting vaccinated, uh, tomorrow, I think everybody over the age of 16 in the state of Oregon is eligible to be vaccinated. Uh, last Monday, uh, pastors and clergy became eligible, and I got vaccinated this, my first dose, I got my first dose this last Wednesday. So as more people are getting vaccinated, you're feeling like, hey, I feel like I'm I'm ready to go back to in-person. What does that look like? Um, we meet in person, 10.30 a.m. We have our chairs spread out. Uh, we have, Everybody's wearing masks. Um, for the kids, they can come in. We have these sealed, pre-packed things that has crayons and coloring sheets, uh, pre-packaged snacks, and they're welcome to just be around. We also have the kids zone in our fellowship hall, and so kids can go down, and uh, we have everything spaced out, toys and that kind of thing. And then we have, uh, on a video screen, we have uh, the sermon playing so that adults that are back there don't feel left out. Uh, So we've got Sunday mornings, we've got Wednesdays, and, uh, you know, just love uh, to be together. Hope you had a fantastic Easter last week, and we're looking forward to being back uh, in the book of Daniel this week. At the end of the sermon, we are adding a new element to our online services, um, we've been thinking through how do we engage people in worship uh, when we know that music online is, is not particularly engaging. Even the churches that are doing the highest quality um, video recording and sound recording, uh, it's not particularly engaging. And, and how we know that is, and I've talked to church leaders in tr- big churches and small churches, and how we know that, quite honestly, is that every church that does music at the end of their sermon uh, sermon, and then the, the audience just totally goes away when the, the end of service music begins. And so we've been trying to figure out how do we engage people in worship on Sunday mornings uh, in a way that is engaging. And so uh, stick around after the sermon. We're going to be uh, trying something different and new, and I'm looking forward to it. If you have a Bible, open to the book of Daniel, chapter 10, as we continue our study in God's Word, learning what it is to be exiles, uh, people of the kingdom of heaven, living among this, this fallen earth and the kingdoms of this fallen earth. Hey, 
Hey, well, we are back in the book of Daniel, and uh, Daniel is a book that's really in three sections. A lot of people see it as a book in two sections. I'd almost argue that it's three sections. Uh, the first section, of course, uh, deals with a historical narrative. Uh, it's a story of a young man and his friends who are taken at, at you know, their mid-teens, they're 15, 16 years old, and they're taken from their home into captivity, into slavery, um, and they are tested in this process. And it's the story of them living their lives faithfully in exile. And we've been talking about that uh, now for the last several months. And then, uh, you know, you get into chapter 7 and 8 and 9, and, and it's a story of a, a man in his older years uh, who begins to see visions from God, prophetic visions uh, for his people and for the, the rest of history. And now we get into chapters 10, 11, and 12. Chapters 10, 11, and 12 are really one continuous story. So if you were to go and read your Bible on your own at home, and, and you would read 10, 11, and 12 as really one continuous story. Divided up into sort of three sections within itself. And it's tricky as a, as a Bible teacher, as a preacher, how do you approach this part of the book of Daniel? Uh, the rest of the book is somewhat straightforward, but this is a large chunk. So we're going to handle it in three parts. And how I'm going to approach this morning is that I'm going to do a kind of a classic Bible study. I'm going to read through the chapter and make some comments along the way. And then at the end, I'm going to share a, just a very short kind of sermon. So Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1, says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true and concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So uh, Daniel, it says it's the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And you remember that um, in Daniel's last years, in the last part of the historical narrative, uh, the Babylonian empire was conquered and overthrown. Uh, you know, people think of Daniel in the lion's den as if it was the story of what happened to a young man, but it was actually an older version of Daniel that was thrown into that lion's den, and not by the Babylonians, but by the Persians. So this gives us a time frame that uh, the vision that Daniel received earlier, you know, flipping pages back, and, you know, in chapter 7, it was the first year of Belshazzar, who was the last king in Babylon before the Persians. Uh, in chapter 8, and of course, my pages stick on me whenever I do this. Uh, in chapter 8, it's the third and the final year of Belshazzar's reign. In chapter 9, now it's the first year of Darius, who was put in charge under the, uh, under the Persians. And now we have Cyrus, a new king, in his third year. Daniel's probably about 87-plus years old at this point. That's a rough estimate. And he gets this revelation he gets this vision. And then it says that the understanding of it came to him in a vision. Verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no, nor meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. So what, what's going on is that Daniel receives this vision, and he is 
burdened by this vision. He is burdened by this vision. And in, in response to this burden that he has, he goes into a time of concentrated response. You know, it says that he drank no wine, he ate no meat. Now, if you've been with us from the start, you might remember back in chapter one that he wouldn't eat meat or wine from the king's table. I have two theories about what's going on here. One theory might be that the situation had changed and that he would not eat meat or wine from the Babylonian king's table uh, because it was not kosher, uh, even though they wouldn't have called it that then, but it's the same idea. It wasn't kosher and or there was idolatry involved. And it's possible that the situation has now changed uh, under the Persians. Another and probably more likely possibility is that the exile has been going on for like 70 years at this point. It's very conceivable that the Jewish exile community had established enough systems in place uh, so that they were able to procure food that was acceptable to their dietary requirements under the Old Testament law. So it's not unreasonable to think that Daniel, um, who had a certain position in society, who had probably achieved a certain level of wealth, um, was able to procure meat and wine that was still acceptable under the law. I don't think he's compromised at any point. But at this point, in response to the vision, he has gone into an intense time of fasting. The burden that came from this vision was heavy. Three weeks later, three weeks later, verse 4, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, and I looked up, and before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, the fine gold of, from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, his voice had the sound of a magnitude or a multitude. Daniel's trying to describe something. It was like this. It was kind of like that. He's trying to describe something that in many ways was probably beyond human comprehension. Verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and they hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left, but my face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and I listened to him and I fell into a deep sleep, my face on the ground. A hand touched me and my trembling on my hands and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So he's on the face down on the ground. A hand touched him, lifted him up. Now he's on his hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have been sent now to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. 
because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel receives this vision. He prays for understanding. He's been waiting for three weeks in fasting and in mourning. And then finally, this angel appears to him to give him the answer. And he says, hey, I've been trying to come to you, but I was detained for 21 days by the king of Persia. Now, is this the literal king of Persia? Is this Cyrus, king of Persia? I don't believe that's what's implied here. Um, Contextually, this angel, who I believe to be Gabriel, but this angel is speaking about kings and princes, and he mentions Michael the archangel as a prince. So I think what's being talked about here is spiritual warfare. Do I fully understand what is going on? Absolutely not. And I get very, very hesitant when people start to talk about um, spiritual warfare and they take verses like this and then they start to build up this um, exact sort of um, hierarchy or theology based off of things that we are getting glimpses of but which we don't have the full picture of. What I do believe is this. I, I believe that there are spiritual elements at play that there probably is a spiritual force, a, a, a prince or a king of America or Canada or England or China, that there are spiritual forces at work in this world and they are opposed to God. That the, uh, There are parts where the scripture describes Satan as, as the king or the prince of this world and that his forces have sway and influence. Absolutely. I have no trouble believing that. I have no trouble believing that there is demonic influence. And I don't mean that in some sort of like conspiracy theory, um, tinfoil hat kind of way. I just mean I have no trouble believing that there is spiritual influence, battles of light and darkness going on in the world around us that we do not see. That there is a spiritual influence working in our schools and our governments and our courts, that the the spirit of injustice, the spirit of corruption, the spirit of lust and greed, and we see it all over. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle or or the political or philosophical spectrum you sit on. We see this repeated over and over. So I have no trouble believing what's going on here is just an example of spiritual warfare. Verse 15, while he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, verse 18, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, he said, peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. And he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. 
But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. And then, starting in chapter 11, he's going to give him the answer to the vision. He's not going to really talk any more about this. I think It's like he just casually drops this thing in. Uh, I'm going to go fight uh, these, these spiritual forces, and uh, I stood with Michael, and Michael's going to stand with me, and we're going to do some battle. Okay, can you tell us more about that? No. Again, we live in spiritual battle, and that's why prayer is so important. You say, how does prayer work? I don't know but I know that God has invited us to pray. And I know that we deal with spiritual forces. I know that there is spiritual oppression in cities, in families, and that we need to pray against that darkness. We need to pray for the work of God and the light of God to shine through into people's lives and into the lives of families and into the lives of communities. We need the bondage broken. God's inviting us to pray. Now, I wanted to share this kind of an overview of the chapter, but I wanted to share this short idea. You know, the, we, each week we've talked about something to do with exiles, you know, how exiles operate. And as we operate as exiles in Milwaukee, Oak Grove, Gladstone, Portland, Clackamas, Oregon City, wherever you're at, you're loved. Exiles are loved. And, and I think there's this idea where we say, well, yeah, I know that God loves people. And I guess I'm included in that because I'm a person. So God loves me. No, no, no. God loves you. What I'd like you to do, if you would, in the chat, just type God loves and put your name there. If your name's Adam, like me, you say God loves Adam. Wh- whatever that is in the chat right now, type that in because you need to know that God loves you. It's not just you because you're part of people, but he specifically loves you. And you're not alone in your struggle. All of us have trials, have struggles. We have concerns. We have worries. I mean, there's a prayer list that we go down every Wednesday night in our Zoom group and every Sunday morning uh, for our in-person service. We pray over the needs of the church. And if you need something added to that prayer list, email me, adam at faithonhill.com. And I know that we have struggles. Out of nowhere, cancer was not a big thing on our prayer list the last couple years. Out of nowhere, there is now a cancer section in our prayer list. Uh, there are all kinds of, of struggles and trials that people have been going through. We've been stuck in a pandemic with all of the stress that comes from that for the last year, over a year now. All of us have struggles. You know, the amount of, of people that have had surgery or um, lost people in this last year, not just from COVID, you know, but just, just life has continued to go on. You're not alone. It's okay. It's totally okay to admit that you feel alone. It's okay to be honest and say, this 
season or this month or this year or this last five years has been horrible. It has just been rough. It's okay to admit, I feel alone in my struggles right now. But you're not. Now, let's also admit that you might have something unique going on. I mean, think about this. Daniel receives a vision that is so troubling to him that for three weeks, he goes into this intense response of prayer. And then he gets the the answer to his vision. And it is so intense experiencing an angel who comes from the presence of God. It is so intense that he can barely breathe. Let's acknowledge that that might be something somewhat unique. I remember years ago talking to a, a man in England. Uh, I, I used to pastor there, and and he had been a, a veteran, uh, and he had fought um, uh, in in Kosovo, and he had he had done he had been in the Balkans, and he was telling me about the trauma that he was still dealing with years later. I didn't understand what he was going through. I've never stood there and, and seen the soldier to my left get their head blown off. I've never, see, I've never experienced that. So I think it's okay to say, you know what? I might have a trial that people around me don't understand, but I'm not alone in experiencing struggle. Daniel was going through the ringer, and who could understand it? I mean, one of the things that happens when you get older, and I'm not saying this from personal experience, I'm saying this from observation, but one of the things that happens when you get older is that the people who have a shared experience with you are less and less. Um, People who went through the same thing that you went through get less and less as more people are just no longer with us. Uh, We don't know when... Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, who sometimes referred to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, the guys in the fiery furnace. We don't know when they died, but they're not mentioned after a while. And it's possible that all of his close friends from his generation of exiles are gone. And he's at 87, the only one left alive. You're not alone. You're not the only one struggling. Your struggle might be unique, but it's good to know that there are people around us who are also struggling uniquely. Sometimes you look and think, man, that person has their life together and you have no idea that it's very calm water, but deep beneath the surface, there is turmoil. I just know that so many people are struggling with so many things. We're not alone. You're not alone. And God knows where you're at. And you might say, God, why haven't you answered me? Maybe I need to climb the mountain. Let me tell you, you don't. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes religion says you need to climb the mountain, you know, and sometimes it's literally a mountain. If you climb the mountain, you can meet with God. I, I, um, you know, I was watching a, a travel video, Rick Steves' show, uh, recently, and he was in Rome, and he was 
showing these pilgrims who came to this church and there's a stair and you get on your knees and you climb up the stair and, and, and supposedly that will help you uh, earn God's approval. And so whether it's climbing a stairway on your knees, whether it is climbing a mountain, a holy mountain, um, whether it is going to a holy place, there are people who believe that. I remember talking to a woman once who believed that the only place God could speak to her was at the communion table of this church an hour away from where she lived. And she was convinced that was the only place she could hear from God. I want you to think about where Daniel was when he got the answer to his vision. Was he at the holy place? No. Was he in Jerusalem on the temple? No. Was he in his prayer closet? And we know he had a place of prayer in his house. We know that from the story of Daniel in the lion's den. No. Sounds like he was just out. Maybe he was doing some of the king's business, but he was out with some people and they were at the river, the Tigris. And God met him there. God spoke to him there. The question is, will you listen when God meets you? Will you listen? Because there were other people there and they fled in terror at the presence of God's work. But will you listen? Will I listen? Will we respond? I don't need to climb the holy mountain to get the answers from God. God can get a hold of you I heard a testimony uh, this week of, of a, a brother who, who said God spoke to him in the shower. And, and he, he, he was praying and, and he says, like, I, I just know crystal clear that God spoke to me there in the shower. Um, you know, the, the voice of God grabs hold of you wherever. I've had God speak to me in a grocery store. As I was praying, I was walking around, I'm praying, and I, and, and I used to work, you know, I used to be a, a manager for a chain of grocery stores. Uh, I have had God, I've heard an audible voice from God, or as close as I've ever heard to an audible voice in a grocery store. Uh, the one time in my life I can say that I saw a vision, uh, and I can demonstrably say that that vision came to pass a year later. It was in the cereal aisle of a grocery store, different grocery store. You don't need to go to some holy place. Oh, I need God to speak to me, so I'm going to go to Israel. Uh, I, I need God to speak to me, so uh, you know what? I need to, to go to some quiet place in the middle of nowhere, and that's where God will speak to me. Daniel's just hanging out by a river, and that's where God met him. And when God sent his messenger, the other people who were with Daniel couldn't handle it, and they fled. Daniel couldn't handle it, but he stayed. And maybe as you've been going through your, your trial, your struggle, as God, God's been trying to get a hold of you, lean in, dig in, double down, and let God do the hard work. Verse 12, the angel says to Daniel, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Since you first put your mind to gain understanding and humbled yourself before God, your words are heard and I have come in response to them. You got to set our minds on gaining the knowledge of God. 
set our minds. Somebody said to me recently, uh, it was uh, Pastor Charlene from our sister church, uh, Abundant Life in, in Northeast Portland. And uh, she's one of the pastors there. And uh, she was sharing with, uh, with my, my class in my last week of school. And, and she was talking uh, actually out of the book of Daniel. And she was sharing how uh, some people say they, they want to hear from God, but it's not that they're convicted or they're, they're, they're uh, set their minds to it. It's just that they're kind of interested. And it's one thing to be kind of interested, to kick the tires. And it's another thing to be convinced and convicted. Setting our minds to learn the, the knowledge of God and humbling ourselves to let God do his work. And then think about this. In verse 20 and 21, he says, Do you know why I have come to you? So I, soon I will return to fight the prince of Persia, and then I will go, uh, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. He's got big battles, this angel. He's got big things happening. And yet he's pausing because God wants him to bring his work into Daniel's life. And maybe you think, oh, God will work on me, but I got to do some stuff first. I have to get my I have to get my life in order first. I have to get my career in order first. Um, once I've got everything established, then I'll give myself fully to God. Once, I, once, I, once my kids are older, I'll give myself fully to God. Once my kids are out of the house, I'll give myself fully to God. Once I'm retired, I'll give myself fully to God. Give me a few years to enjoy retirement, and then I'll give myself fully to God. Here's the angel saying, hey, there's all this big stuff coming, but it can wait because God wants to do his work right here and right now. And it's because God loves you and loves me that God wants to do his work. And we need to let God do his loving work in our lives. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith. I don't know where you are at in terms of who Jesus is in your life. But we're about to go into a time of response through prayer. And I would invite you to lean into the work that God is doing, no matter the struggle that you're going through, no matter the season that you are in, to lean in to what God is doing as we respond now in prayer. God bless you. We'll see you this week for our Zoom meeting, and we'll see you next Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Now let's join together in prayer. Now that we've spent time together in God's word, God's been speaking to us. And so we want to respond to what God has been speaking to us. So we enter a time of worship through guided prayer. I'd invite you to enter a posture of prayer, uh, however that is for you. Sitting, standing, kneeling, um, folding your hands, holding your hands up, keep, how, keep your hands at your side, whatever a posture of prayer is for you. I also want you to be free to pause the video at any point where you need more time. Absolutely feel free to hit that pause button at any point where you just need more time. We are going to uh, go into a rhythm called the daily examine. Um, a, a guy named St. Ignatius, who was a, a figure in church history, came up with this. And it was a way that he closed every day. 
And we, uh, Sunday is the beginning of a week, but in a lot of ways, it's also the close of a previous week. And so I invite you uh, to enter that posture of prayer with me as we go through this time together. (sighs) Holy God, perfect in all your ways. Your love for us has never ended. Your care for us has never ended. Your work in this world is always going. Thank you that you hear our prayers. We pray that you would lead us now by the work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives as we respond to you. And I would ask you to take a moment in prayer as I pray and ask God to make you aware of his presence in your heart and in your life. And Father, I do ask that that God the Holy Spirit would point us to Jesus, that Jesus would be clearly felt and seen in my heart and in all the, the souls who are with me now, that we could bring glory to God the Father. And as we are aware of your presence, we look back on this past week And we think about everything that you've done, good and bad. And Lord, help us to find gratitude, gratefulness for the ways we have seen you work. And as you look back over this last week that you've had, the last few days, find the good points, find the things to be grateful for. It's okay if you have a hard time with that, if you've had a rough week, if you've had struggle. Pay attention to what your emotions are doing. And then what I would invite you to do is choose one of the things that you found as you examined and prayed. Choose one of those things that you are grateful for and pray over it. Choose something that was a struggle where your emotions bumped and you said, these are all the things I'm grateful for, but this was a a major struggle. Pray over it. This is an opportunity to hit the pause button if you need to. And pray over these things. Let's do that together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as I look over my week, I see things that have been rough, that have been frustrating, and yet I see so many things that I'm grateful for, and I see so much that I can rejoice in. And I ask that you would root those things in my heart, and make those things my central focus. And now, Lord, as I look forward to the week ahead, as I look forward to uh, the, the daily things, little things like getting my kids ready for school, big things like going to work, uh, you know, the, the big and the small, Lord, help me to walk forward in gratitude. Help me to walk forward in faith and hope. Help me to choose joy this week. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Worship is not just singing a song, although if you know me, you know that I love to sing. Worship is any way that I give praise and glory to God. And so as we have spent this time responding to God through prayer, we have 
worshipped him. As we spent time earlier giving ourselves over to the teaching of the word of God, we have worshipped him. Thank you for joining us this week for worship. We look forward to seeing you this Wednesday on our small groups, and we'll see you next Sunday morning as we continue to study God's word and worship the Savior, Jesus, risen from the dead, victorious over sin and death. God bless you.